Welcome back to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here. Today we'll be heading into Revelation chapter 9. And if there's anyone that you know of that would appreciate the podcasts here, I ask that you would share them with a friend. I invite you to go to momentswithmoni.com where you can listen to all of the podcasts, read the blog, and leave a comment for me. I appreciate all of your kind words and your support. I want you to know that I'm more of a happy ending kind of girl. I'd rather read the end of the book and make sure that there's a happy ending before I spend time reading it. And thankfully, that's exactly what I've done on Revelation. Last week, we left off with woe, woe, woe to those on earth. And it's only going to get worse. Last week, we saw the lamb who was able to open the seventh seal. And there was silence in heaven for half an hour. They knew what was coming. They knew that there was judgment coming. And everyone held their breath. Just picture that scene in heaven where all the seven angels were standing with the incense in their hands, the prayers of all the saints throughout the centuries. There were seven angels and there was another angel in the midst of those. And that's the angel that took the prayers and the incense and threw them down onto the earth. And there were peals of thunder and rumblings and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And after this, the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. We heard of the first angel that blew his trumpet. And a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. The third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water and the water became bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon and its stars, and so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. And then John heard, like an eagle, an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and warned the earth that there are still three more to come. We saw the four horsemen bringing war and famine and death on the earth. And the first four trumpets, these were ecological disasters on the earth, on the water, the land, the sky. The last three seals focused from a heavenly perspective, the cries of the martyrs, the angels in the heavens, the cosmic disturbances, and the heavenly prelude to the seven trumpets. But now the focus will be on the three trumpets that will speak of hell in demons. Revelation chapter 9 verse 1 begins, And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. 
He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, and their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. It is best to take a look at the text a little clearer here. We see that this star is not a literal star. It is mentioned that he was given the keys to the pit. And the verb tense is also past tense, which indicates that he has already fallen. Who might this person or the star be? Suggestions have included many throughout the centuries, a fallen angel, an evil spirit, Satan, the word of God, a good angel, or even Jesus himself. If so many commentators disagree, I certainly can't pick one right now myself. But no matter, in this context, the star is an angel. It was mentioned that he was an angel. And this angel was given the keys to the bottomless pit to open it up for God's purpose of judgment on the earth. So whether it was a good angel or even perhaps Satan himself, the purpose is for the judgment of God and he, God, is still in control. The idea that Satan rules hell is a misunderstanding. It's foreign, really, to the rest of Scripture. He will be a resident of hell, not a ruler. And if you'd like to read ahead in Revelation chapter 20, you can see that for yourself. Jude, verse 6, shares with us the other residents of that bottomless pit. It says, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. And that is who is being released from the bottomless pit at this point. And what happened when this bottomless pit was opened? The smoke rose up like from a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with that smoke. Yikes! That sounds worse than any forest fire I've ever seen, and some of those have been pretty nasty. 
And then from inside the smoke came out locusts on the earth. And they were given power like that of the power of a scorpion. Have you ever been stung by a scorpion? I haven't, so I really don't know what this would be like. But it sounds like these are no ordinary scorpions. By order, they do not attack the grass of the earth or the green plants like a a normal locust would, but under orders from God, they are not to touch that or any of the people who have been sealed by God on their foreheads. But they are allowed to torment the others for five whole months. Not to kill them, but the torment of that sting would go on for five months. And the people were so in pain and suffering that they wanted, they cried out, rocks, fall on us, kill me, let me die. I can't take this anymore. And yet God said, no, you will suffer for all the things that you have done, for all the times that you have turned your back on me and chosen your own way. This is the consequence. John also describes the appearance of these locusts like they were horses prepared for battle, and they had crowns of gold on their head, and faces were like human faces, hair like a woman's hair, and teeth of a lion, breastplate of iron, and the noisy wings like that of chariots or horses rushing into battle. I've heard that some commentators would like to say that this is symbolic of perhaps a, oh, I don't know, maybe a helicopter of some kind. Remember, John was trying to do his best to describe with his words for his time of what it was that he was seeing. We don't know if it is a locust that has all these strange characteristics, or is it some kind of a war vehicle? Either way, the people are going to suffer at the tail of this thing. After verse 12, we see that the first woe has passed and that there are still two woes to come. So I start again at verse 13. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels, who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice ten thousand times ten thousand. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, 
nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. And nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Have you ever heard someone talk about a party in hell? After leaving this earth, yeah, they're just going to live life their own way here on earth. And then when it's all done, they'll just meet up with their friends in hell and have a great time forever. Well, this is not describing that kind of a situation. To a lot of us, to many of us, to some of us, death seems like an escape. And I believe that we've been deceived with that. And here's a perfect picture of it with those that have been stung by the scorpions and are now suffering for five months and they can't even die when they try to and begging the rocks to fall on them, to kill them, to put them out of their suffering because they can't stand it anymore here on earth. Well, hell is going to be even worse than what they're going through at that point. This, remember, this is still future for our world here. So this is something that you, if you're listening to this before the rapture, you don't have to go through this. Turn to God. Don't keep a hard heart like people that are described in this section of scripture. The commentator Mounts has stated that there can be no specific answer to the question of exactly who or what is symbolized by the plague of locusts. All we can know for sure is that in the period immediately before the end, the wicked will be subjected to a time of unprecedented demonic torment. Exactly how this will take place will remain unknown until disclosed by history itself. I don't want to be there. I know, I hope, you don't want to be there. As if the locusts weren't enough, there were four angels that were set loose as well. And they, unlike the locusts, have authority to kill humans on a massive scale. These angels were um, related with the Euphrates River. Do you remember hearing about the Euphrates River back in Genesis? After the residents of the garden, Adam and Eve, were put out of the garden, it was stated that the Euphrates River was east of Eden. And that would make Israel west of the river. I don't know. You want to put those two together? Well, these four angels had been prepared for this particular hour, this day, this month, and this year. They have been chomping at the bit to do what they've been wanting to do, to be released to kill a third of all mankind. And the number of mounted troops, all the troops that went with them, about 10,000 times 10,000, a great, great number going against the people that have turned their back against God. And the vision of the horses that John saw, they were breastplates of the color of fire, of sapphire, of sulfur. Heads of horses were like lion's heads, 
Fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. That's like a dragon. You know, know, picturing that in a cartoon, the sulfur and the smoke coming out of a mouth of a dragon. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. And the smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths and the fire all caused this. Sulfur is a nasty smell, too. So you've got all this destruction and darkness and pain and the awful smell. I'm I'm tired of just sharing this with you. It's just so overwhelming. And yet there were some that still were not killed by these plagues, and they still didn't repent of the works that they did, of worshiping demons and idols, of gold and silver and whatever else they could make them out of. And they didn't repent of their murders or sorceries, all the magic and things that God tells us in Deuteronomy to stay away from. Back in Deuteronomy 18, it starts at verse 9, God is telling the people, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. It was a disgusting practice, either as offering it up, this child, as a offering to a god, or just abortion. No one should be practicing divination, or tells fortunes, or interprets omens, or a sorcerer. Don't have anything to do with these people, or not to be amongst those who are charmers or mediums or necromancers or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations, which you are about to dispossess, listen, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. That is what they do. But as for you, The Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. All the sorcery and all the other things that he mentioned there. He also says, it isn't that they don't work. It's that you're not supposed to have anything to do with it. Stay away from it. It's evil. Oh, Father, help us to turn away from our wicked ways and turn towards you. Your word in 1 John chapter 2 Verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we can't deceive ourselves. Your word is a mirror for our life. Verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And John goes on to warn his flock. He says, children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become 
plain that they are not of us. They didn't want anything to do with them anymore because they wanted to go their own way. But you, you believers, have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Our enemy, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, always targets the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. John was still talking to a people who was still looking forward to the coming of Christ, was nowhere near the end of the age of the church age, and yet they felt every generation, they felt like that was it. Jesus is coming. They were looking for him expectantly. They found comfort in that. He warned them not to succumb to the lust of the flesh, where the body is chasing pleasures, the lust of the eyes, where the eyes are chasing stuff, where the pride of life, the mouth is chasing status, cravings, temptation, boasting, all these things. That is where Satan targets us. And what of this enemy that falls like lightning from heaven? Well, the Bible actually mentions it four times, four times the fall of Satan. In Ezekiel 28, 14 to 16, God says, You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the fire. And another time, God mentions in Revelation 12, 9, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And the third time, from the earth to the bondage in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, it's mentioned in Revelation 20. Verses 1 to 3, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. And number four, from the pit to the lake of fire. This is the part where I call it, it's soup. Revelation 20.10. He's going to get his. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. We're seeing evidence here that Satan had already lost his position of power. He's already a conquered enemy. And when we act in the name of Jesus, victory is assured. Just remember that we are to walk in 
God's ways, not our own, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. It is not our power that wins any battle. We just have more confidence because we know God has already won the war. So remember, in these last days of the church age, watch out for those warnings that God has given us. Watch out for men that are false prophets, that work deceitfully, that disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. Because Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it shouldn't be a surprise to us if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Not to worry, though. Their end is coming. Oh, how I long to get to the end of this book and tell you of the beauty that is waiting for those of you who believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, who accept his free gift, who are washed in the blood of Christ, who are forgiven of all of their sins, who have turned away from wickedness and surrendered their own heart and their own will to God and are obedient to him. The Bible reminds us that at his hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So don't give in to the lies of the enemy, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, because God has so much more and better planned for you and for I. He loves you. He doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want anybody to go through this. You don't have to. We don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with good. Do you remember the promises in chapters 2 and 3 to the overcomers? Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, think on these things. Be an overcomer.
one man.